I love that sermon bumper because it makes me feel like I'm about to do something in the Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit movie or something along those lines. It's so good to be back with you. Everybody enjoying their summer? Some of you more than others, obviously. Hey, well, a couple of weeks ago, one of the activities that we had in our summer was to go to a family camp, and I was speaking at the camp. Um, I'm, I'm appreciative that you only asked me to speak once a week. Uh, I preached five times in five days. So in the midst of that, there was all of this good, clean family fun. There were game show type games. I'm an introvert. I don't like the stage, don't like the spotlight, but they needed a volunteer, so... I was willing to go forward for this one game, but I didn't know what the game was until I got onto the platform, and the game was called this, Worship Song or Love Song. And what they would do is they would give you the snippet of a lyric, and you had to guess whether or not it was from a popular modern love song or was it from a modern worship song. So I want everybody to enter into this now. I want you to take out a pen from your purse or from the pew rack in front of you on your bulletin. I'm going to give you a couple of these and I want you to guess and I'm going to have you write it down because otherwise you'll cheat. All right. So um, we're going to put our first lyric up here and you're going to guess whether or not this is a worship song or a love song. Lay back against you and breathe. Feel your heartbeat. This love so deep. It's more than I can stand. Is that a worship song or is that a love song? Write it down, confer with a spouse. Here we go. The answer is worship song. This is a popular worship song called The More I Seek You by Kari Job. Next one here. Let's get the next one up, up on the screen. I can feel you breathe. It's washing over me. Suddenly I'm melting into you. Is this a worship song or is this a love song? Write it down. Wait for it. Here is the answer. It's a love song. This is Breathe by Faith Hill. I'm guessing that more women got this right than men. Okay, third one here. Love this one. A sloppy wet kiss and my heart turns violently inside of my chest. Is this a worship song or is this a love song? Are you ready for it? It's a worship song. Are you serious? That's a worship song? So here I am in front of the whole camp and, you know, I'm a pastor, so I'm crushing this game, right? So I get to the next round. I get to the finals. And the finals was not worship song or love song. The finals on family night at this camp was this. Lamentations or Taylor Swift song. <laughs> and I feel like my whole life has been crescendoing to this moment. Because I'm a father of two teenage girls, and so I am schooled in the art of Taylor Swift, and I've got a doctorate in theology. I am the perfect candidate for this. And then the first lyric pops up, and I have no idea which one it is. Fortunately, my wife was on the third row, and she's mouthing me what it's supposed to be. And so I crushed it, and we won free ice cream. It was a beautiful thing. Hey, when ice cream is involved, there is no such thing as cheating. <laughs> Just saying. But this game, uh, although just being kind of fun and playful, is also the kind of thing that actually reveals something about us. I have a good friend who says, if you can't tell whether or not you're singing to Jesus or your boyfriend, you have a problem. Because it's one thing to sing about your boyfriend, it's another thing to sing about 
the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, the king, the God of glory, who, yes, calls us friend, and who, yes, calls us, the church, the bride of Christ, but it's no ordinary love song. I think what this game exposes for us is whether or not we have a romanticized relationship with God or whether we have a real relationship with God. And you might wonder if there's kind of a test that can let you know how you're doing in that. Do you just have this overly emotive relationship with God or do you have a real relationship with God? Well, actually the test is borne out through suffering. You go through trials, you go through tribulations, you go through struggles, and you will find out whether you just have this romantic relationship or whether or not you have a real relationship with Almighty God. And the book of Lamentations is a book that actually chronicles a firsthand account of the response and the prayer to incredible pain in suffering. Let me see if I can set the stage for you. Imagine you don't live in Atlanta in 2018. You live in Atlanta in 1864. Do you know what happened in Atlanta in 1864? General, going through the town, the burning of Atlanta with Sherman. And so this was a horrible moment for the city. The last estimate that I read that was something that like 50% of the city was burned to the ground. So imagine that's your crops or that's your business or that's your home. I mean, with that kind of widespread disaster, there's no aspect of your life that's not going to be devastated from that kind of cataclysmic event. Well, that's kind of the closest analogy to what I can give you historically to what happened centuries and centuries before in 586 BC when King Nebuchadnezzar with the Babylonians comes in and ransacks and destroys and burns the city of Jerusalem. And so you can imagine the suffering, the pain, the devastation that they go through. Well, we believe that the prophet Jeremiah is the one who wrote the book of Lamentations in response to what had happened to the city of Jerusalem and their lives being destroyed. And in that moment, I believe the people of Israel were learning, did they have an overly romanticized, shallow view and relationship with God, or did they have a real relationship with God? And so I think there's some things that come out of the book of Lamentations that help us to move from that romanticized to a real relationship with God. And the first characteristic that we discover in that is that of honesty. I want to read to you a few verses from Lamentations. These are not Taylor Swift lyrics, just to be clear, for you to be able to enter into Jeremiah's prayer. He has made my skin and my flesh grow old. He has broken my bones. He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and hardship. He has made me dwell in darkness like those long dead. He has walled me in so that I cannot escape. He has weighed me down with chains. Even when I call out or cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has barred my way with blocks of stones. He has made my paths crooked like a bear lying in wait, like a lion in hiding. He dragged me from the path and mangled me and left me without help. 
He drew his bow and made me the target of his arrows. He pierced my heart with the arrows from his quiver. I became the laughingstock of all of my people. They mock me in song all day long. He has filled me with bitter herbs and given me bile to drink. He has broken my teeth with gravel. He has trampled me in the dust. When was the last time you prayed to God like that? Or maybe I ought to put it this way. Have you ever prayed to God like that? Have you ever had real, honest, raw prayers? C.S. Lewis, in the last book that he ever wrote, it was called Letters to Malcolm, chiefly on prayer. It was a fictitious set of correspondence between him and somebody else on the subject of prayer. And in this book, C.S. Lewis writes this. He says, we must lay before him, meaning God, what is in us and not what ought to be in us. The prayer preceding all prayers is, may it be the real I who speaks and may it be the real thou that I speak to. In other words, what he's saying is the problem of if us telling God what, what we think that God wants to hear is that we never really fully show up in prayer, that you've whitewashed your emotions and your thoughts, and if they're the subject of our thoughts and our emotions, God's big enough to handle who we really are. If, if we don't show up in the prayer, then we're not really praying And so Max Lucado puts it this way. He says, pray your pain out, pound the table, march up and down the lawn. It's time for tenacious, honest prayers. Angry at God, disappointed with his strategy, ticked off at his choices, let him know it. Let him have it. Jeremiah did. This ancient prophet pastored Jerusalem during the time of economic collapse and political upheaval, invasion, disaster, exile, hunger, death. Jeremiah saw it all. He so filled his devotions with complaints that his prayer journal is called Lamentations. If we were to take all of your prayers, if the ones that you had uttered to God, and we were to put them together in a book, and then we were going to put a title on that book, what would be the title of your prayer book? Soft Religious Platitudes by Rich Conwisher. Vague Stream of Consciousness by Rich Conwisher. Amorphous, nonchalant prayers by Rich Conwisher. Honesty is one of the primary characteristics of a real relationship. And that's not just true with your neighbor or your friend or a family member. It's true in relationship to Almighty God. Do you have those kinds of honest conversations with God? So if we learn from Lamentations that honesty is really important in the spiritual life, the second thing that we learn is that intentionality is really important. Let me see if I can demonstrate you. Let me geek out on this for a little bit, okay? Let's put something up on the screen here. When you look in the book of Lamentations in the original Hebrew, which I know you do all the time in your spare time, what you notice is, and Hebrew goes from right to left here, what you notice is that the prayers of Lamentations are an acrostic that it's like A, B, C, D, E, Aleph, Beit, Gimel, Dalit, Ha. You just keep going through the alphabet, through the Hebrew, and each line of the poetry begins with a letter 
in order. So you might be listening to what I read a few moments ago, and you might erroneously draw the conclusion that this is just some sort of free-for-all rant against God. That is not what's happening here. It is more careful than that. It is more deliberate than that. It is more artful than that. It is more thoughtful than that. A lot of us have this false assumption that prayer and the spiritual life and a relationship with God, that these kinds of things happen automatically, naturally, if you just let them flow. And I'm here to tell you, it takes more intentionality than that. A couple of years ago, Kelly and I uh, went to a lecture at a university, and the subject of the lecture was on imagination or creativity, and this is the person who was giving the lecture, John Cleese of uh, Monty Python fame. And so went through the lecture and then got towards the end of it, and there was this open Q&A. And then when we got to the open Q&A, somebody's hand from the back went up, and he asked the question, he asked John Cleese what, what he thought of improv. And John Cleese goes, I love improv. And the, the whole audience breaks out into spontaneous applause. And then John Cleese continues, goes, I love improv. I'm just not a fan of subjecting audiences to it. <laughs> In other words, what he was making a case for was for writing when it comes to entertainment. If, I don't know if you're like me, but I would much prefer to watch a scripted show than a reality TV show. What's the difference between those two? Well, one of the differences is that the fiction shows are usually more realistic than the reality TV shows. The other thing is, is that there's writing involved. There's scripting involved. They're thinking through what is going to be said. And to me, that makes a difference. Back in 2006, I was having a difficult time going home at the end of the day and not bringing the strain and the stress of work with me. And so I was seeing a spiritual director at the time, and he encouraged me to write a prayer that I would say every day before I left the office to get in my car to go home. This is that prayer. Father, as the shadows now lengthen and the evening comes, hush the busyness of this world and calm the troubled waters of my own heart. My work is not yet done, but it is now time for rest. I thank you, God, for all the good that we did this day, for all that has given me joy. Forgive me when I have strayed from your way. Take from me my worries, my pains, my complaints, and my fears. May evil no longer have power over me. Let your servant now depart with peace to join those I love, to celebrate and bless you with your kindness. Every single day before getting in the car and after a long arc, a long time, I started to learn not to take the stress of work home with me. A real relationship with God requires honesty but it also requires intentionality. Thirdly, it requires, according to the book of Lamentations, loyalty. It requires loyalty. I almost actually wanted to entitle the third point this. I, want us to call, I almost wanted to call it Yeti. 
And not only because it has the same alliteration, but because the key word in this passage, and if you have your own Bible, and if you're in Lamentations 3, 21 and 22, you ought to circle the word yet. Because for three and a half chapters, all the way up to that point, it is lament, it is complaint, it is rage against God. And then there is this moment when Jeremiah says, yet, yet this I will call to mind. Yet I will have hope. Yet because of your great, unfailing, steadfast love. Yet because of you, we are not consumed. Yet your compassions never fail. Is all of this stuff still happening? Are all these emotions real for the first three and a half chapters? You bet. And so you might be here today and you might be saying, I'm going through cancer. Yet I know that God is faithful. You might be going through the ringer at work. The wheels may be falling off economically for you, yet we know that God is always there. No matter what it is that you are going through, we believe that God is always faithful. The the hymn that was inspired out of the book of Lamentations, the hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness, notice the title is not Great is My Faithfulness. It's great as thy faithfulness, that God is always faithful. Even in the midst of the darkest, deepest pit, God is always there and he will be true to his promises. We believe that we have an unshakable hope because of his unbreakable word and that he will be faithful. In my last congregation, there was a young woman by the name of Talene, and she suffers from a rare disease that's called POTS, or postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. It's very rare, and in many cases, it's incredibly debilitating. She used to be able to go to church. She used to be able to go to school, and now she couldn't anymore. But she would watch online, like many of you may be doing right now. Every once in a while, she would send me an email. But on this one particular day, she sent me at the church a piece of art. This is a picture of it up on the screen. On the one side, it's Psalm 22. On the other side, it is Psalm 23. In the middle is the cross, and the foundation of that cross is faith. And in the letter that she had sent with me that was corresponding this, she was responding to a series of messages where we were talking about holding together, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me in Psalm 22, and that of the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want in Psalm 23, and that the faithfulness of God is found in the midst of both of those things. To have a real relationship with God, you need honesty, you need intentionality, you need loyalty, and it needs to be daily. This one verse, 23, it says this, talking about the steadfast love and the mercies of God, they are new when? Every morning. Every single morning. The word for new in Hebrew, the writer has a choice of a variety of words. The word used for new there is a term that specifically means never been experienced before. It is 
brand new. And we believe that God's mercies are available to you each and every morning as long as you have the eyes to see. A couple of weeks ago, I was with a group of people, a part of the mission team that was a part of our longstanding partnership in the country of Malawi. I have so many great stories to tell you, but I just want to give you one little snapshot today. I met a young girl named Jennifer who lived in these conditions. She's a high school girl, lives apart from her parents because she would have to walk 15 kilometers every day to go to school. She's in high school. And what you need to know about high school for a girl is that if you are not enrolled in high school at the age of 14, you will either be sold into marriage or you will get to continue your studies. So attending high school for a girl in Malawi is not, yeah, I might get a better job. I might get to go to a better college. It's the difference between a life of freedom and a life that is stuck. When you walk into this room that they rent, there's five girls. It, there's no more than room than for the five mats that lie on the ground. And the smell nearly knocked me over. We're a part of a larger project there that we'll tell you more about later of building a girl's dormitory, not just for those five girls, but for 95 other girls. But with Jennifer, and while she was showing us her current home, a member of the team had brought with him a little item that he had bought at REI, a little $15 lantern that has a solar panel on one side that you can stick outside because Jennifer and her friends, they live off the grid. There's no electricity there. And it charges up during the day and then the light, the little LED light that you blow up can last all night. She couldn't quite tell what we had given to her and we're showing it to her, but when we finally turned the light on and she discovered what it was, because she has never had a light before, she's never been able to study past dark, as soon as the light was turned on, she fell to her knees, tears started to fall from her face, and she began to kiss our fingers. She had encountered something new, a new mercy that she had never experienced before. I believe that these kinds of mercies are available to you and to me. Can you imagine being that grateful? Do you have the kind of relationship with God where you have fallen onto your knees, that the tears have fallen down your face? Yes, it's a love song, but it's not an ordinary love song. And it's not a game. The stakes are really high. And so I guess that as you encounter the book of Lamentations today, maybe you need to work on something. Do you need to work on your honesty? 
your intentionality, trusting in the loyalty of God? Or is it about that daily manna that God promises that we're so jaded that we don't even notice anymore? And so let's pray. God, as we come to the table in this moment, will you meet us here? Can we encounter you, experience you, but even more importantly, to know you? Thank you, God, that you invite us into a real relationship, not some shallow, insipid, romanticized, but an authentic encounter. And so forgive us for not trusting you with our real emotions and thoughts. Forgive us for being lazy and unintentional in our life with you. Forgive us for thinking that it's about our own faithfulness instead of yours. And forgive us for missing the bright, new mercies that you give us every single day. At this table, God, Holy Spirit, inspire us, compel us, move us to fall to our knees in gratitude, even in the midst of the suffering. And we pray all of these things with great anticipation in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, amen. On the night that our Savior was betrayed, he took the bread and after blessing it, he broke it and said, this is my body which is torn for you. Do this and remember me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant, the new promise. And whenever you drink of it, remember me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the dying and the rising of the Lord until he comes again in power and in glory. Dear friends, we'll take communion today by a variety of stations around the sanctuary. If you are unable to get to one of those stations, just let one of the ushers know when they come, a little signal, we'll bring communion to you. Also, there are little gluten-free options at each of the stations. We also want you to take a piece of bread in your own individual timing, in your own individual relationship with God to eat the bread. The gospel's always personal but it's never individualistic, it's never private. And so hold on to the cup and we'll drink of the cup together, symbolizing the unity that we have in the community and the body of Christ. Dear friends, these are the gifts of God. They are for you, the people of God. Will the servers come? The table is now ready.